So, Vinny, who the bloody hell are you? <laughs> so I'm Vinny Rossi. I started uh, with Red Wine Audio back in 2004, and then Vinny Rossi, the brand, in 2014. I'm um, in Massachusetts, United States. Been building home audio electronics um, ever since. Mm, okay. Now today we're going to talk about preamplifiers, right? And really how they work and what they do. So I think we should start with the simple question of, or the simple question of, you know, what what is the role of a preamplifier, Vinny? Because I think it's kind of mysterious to many people. Or they might, is it just about volume control and source selection, or is there more to it than that? More to it than that, but let's just um, first talk about um, um, the term line stage and preamplifier because I think some people get confused with that. Uh, mm. Generally, when I say line stage, that could be a preamplifier, but it does not have a built-in phono preamplifier in it for um, a turntable. So when you have the uh, phono amplification, EQ mm. and, and amplification, then sometimes they'll call that a full preamp. But when they're just talking about line level signals, um, that's sometimes also called the line stage. So line stage refers to line level signals, which are like sort of like a CD player or a DAX output, right? Correct. Right. So let's just, um, after we get that out of the way, because the, the phono preamplifier is different than a regular one in that it it's doing um, EQ plus much higher levels of gain. So yeah, you, you mentioned that the first, um, the, the, the basic ingredients that makes up a, a preamplifier is you have input selection where you could have multiple sources connected and select one mm. that you want to use at a given time. And then you have volume control because sources generally are fixed output, meaning if you were to hook them straight into your power amplifier, it would be full blast, way too loud. You need to be able to control that volume. So you need that um, aspect of it as well. Mm. So the default is essentially full volume until you insert a preamplification stage, line stage into the circuit, right? Right. You really couldn't hook your source right into your power amplifier because right. you're going to maybe even drive the amplifier beyond its full power into clipping. It's just too much, too strong of a signal. It needs to be controlled via the preamplifier. Mm -hmm. Some sources do have a built-in volume control. It's pretty common now to see that uh, DACs have um, optional volume control on the output where you could hook that into a power amplifier because you could control the volume at the DAC. But generally, mm -hmm. we say full, you know, line level signal, it's a standard approximately two volt RMS line mm -hmm. level signal. Um, there's no volume control. It gets into the preamplifier. You select that input you want to listen to. And now you have control via the preamplifier's volume. That output of the preamplifier is a volume controlled signal feeding your power amplifier. Right. And then you have that control, and a lot of people now want to see remote control standard, I mean, for the convenience of it. So you mentioned that, that we, I mean, because we do, we see volume controls on many DACs now. And for, I get for most of them, the volume control is done in the digital domain. In the digital domain, it's not as common as in the analog domain in, in high-end home audio. Mm. Um, not that you can't use digital volume controls and get good sound, but when you actually go through the digital domain, you have to manipulate your data stream. Um, right. And you could lose your, your signal to noise ratio and things like that mm -hmm. as you at the lower volume levels because you're throwing away bits. In the 
analog domain, you would take this full line level signal and implement the volume control. There's numerous ways to do it. There's mm -hmm. stereo potentiometers, there's stepped attenuators, um, there's autoformer volume controls. There's, so there's quite a few different ways to, to go about it. But the mm -hmm. gist is you're, you're attenuating the larger signal coming in such that it's at the uh, manageable level for your power amplifier. So if we have different types of volume control, can we infer from that that volume controls themselves influence sound quality of the preamp? Very much so at times. Yeah, I mean, they're, they range from very inexpensive, you know, carbon wiper potentiometers um, mm -hmm. all the way to a more elaborate stepped attenuators where there's matched uh, high-quality resistors and switching between those resistors, either via signal relays or even mechanical switches, um, mm -hmm. like a stepped ladder attenuator with with a um, you know a thirty-two or sixty-four step, for instance, you know switch that controls those resistors and which mm -hmm. ones are in at the given time, where you're setting up your attenuation curve. Um, okay, so what's the difference between an active preamp and a passive preamp? Because we hear these terms a lot, right? So. I mean, for many people, I think that's confusing. It does get confusing. So an active preamplifier is going to have a stage where you're using power. So it could be, mm -hmm. it could still be a unity gain active preamplifier where you're getting buffering, meaning the output voltage is it's not giving you voltage gain, but you are getting current gain, which is lower output impedance to be able to drive um, a wider variety of power amplifiers mm -hmm. over uh, larger cable distances without things like the capacitive effects of cables um, rolling off the top end of the signal, for instance. So it's providing power either in the either with voltage, current, or both. A passive preamplifier is basically an attenuator where after you run your volume control via a potentiometer or a stepped um, attenuator ladder control, for instance, you're throwing mm -hmm. away unwanted signal, and from there right out, you're you're not taking it to any active stages in be, um, after or before. It's pure passive. And then there's something that makes it a little more confusing, is in the case of autoformer volume controls, you could actually get voltage gain and current gain um, with the transformer without it being plugged in, meaning it's still passive. It does not consume mm -hmm. power what it does is when it attenuates the signal it steps down voltage but it steps up current so it's like having lower output impedance from that but in the case of when you reach a point where you're actually getting voltage gain then it's mm -hmm. increasing the output impedance so it's <laughs> it's it's all passive but it could be more like an active without power mm -hmm. electronics so it's not consuming power it's just changing the um, the current to voltage ratios of, of the signal itself. But simplistically put, um, an active preamp requires power and a passive one in the main does not. Is that right? Correct. Simplistically. Simplistically, right. yes. So is this why people in the main put tubes in preamps is to improve the um, the current gain? Is that why they do it? Or is there other, other are there other reasons to put tubes in preamps? You put tubes and preamps for a few reasons. One, you want to also have, you know, you want to be able to get a, a preamplifier with a voltage gain where you could say uh, from 
you know, minus infinity, mute all the way up to, let's say, plus 12 dB or whatever you want it to mm -hmm. be to drive many different amplifiers with different input sensitivities. Because some amplifiers require a larger signal to reach full mm -hmm. power because, you know, they're they're capable of, of swinging much, much larger as far as rail to rail, their, their higher power. But mm -hmm. you also could want to just use the tube for current gain buffering only. That would be what you would see um, referred to as a, as a cathode follower or buffer, tube buffer. Mm -hmm. It's not increasing the, the voltage. The voltage coming out is the same coming into that stage, but it does right. have lower output impedance because of its higher current delivery. It's, that's what it's doing. And then the third reason I can think of why you want tubes is just because you want a particular sound that you cannot get with solid state that you can with triodes. Right. So it, it alters the sound it's sort of harmonic structure. Is yes. that the best way to describe it? Like, it I does. Mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. The harmonic, if you were to take measurements, for instance, you could see the different orders. Typically, you're, you're going to see a, a larger second order harmonic mm. uh, distortion with the tube. And, and some people actually prefer to have that in the path because it adds something to the sound. It's not the lowest distortion method where you want to have a perfect replica of the input. With right. the least amount of distortion. This is intentionally you wanting a certain flavor to the sound. Now you could also use tubes. You could use a lot of feedback, and you could still have a very clean, very low distortion preamplifier with tubes if you wish to as well when you design. So it's not like just because you have a tube that it's going to have high harmonic distortion and things like that. It's really based on the design. Right. Okay. But generally, just so we're clear for listeners, second order harmonics are pleasurable to the ear right but third are not and fifth are not right second fourth so it's even order harmonics people tend to like the sound of right is that is that correct yeah in 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 a way you could kind of um i'm trying i'm trying to make an easier analogy to get an idea when you have an even order harmonic it's kind of like when you're you have a, a chorus and then they're hitting a note and then there's uh, multiple integer multiples of that note playing by by the background at a lower level, it kind of adds to it um, without it, you know, giving it a, an artificial sound or giving it something mm -hmm. that we would say in the terms of odd order harmonics, you have things that create square waves and they're very harsh and like sawtooth waves and things that don't replicate sine waves as much. It's, it's the even orders that, that do. Okay. Okay. Now, just just go off well, not on a tangent, but a different area of the preamp. We hear a lot about single-ended versus balanced, right, with inputs and outputs. And a lot of people, you know, they swear by balanced outputs. There's a certain level of dogma that surrounds balanced in, well, inputs as well, you know. But what, what, what's going on there, Vinny? Why do people tend to favor balanced, anecdotally speaking? Balanced offers advantages in terms of, of noise rejection because when you mm -hmm. have a balanced signal, what it's doing is it's taking a difference between the positive and negative swings of the signal. Mm -hmm. And if there's noise being picked up on a cable, let's say, you're going to have mm -hmm. it on, on both. It's it's equally picked up. But when right. you at the uh, receiving end, at the receiver, let's say in the amplifier, the balanced input stage is going to reject that noise because it's only taking the difference between the two. So there's advantages right. with balance, especially with long cable runs. Mm. You could have a much higher noise rejection ratio because of, of the way it's designed in the cable. It, it's designed to reject noise 
And, and you say you say that the, the the noise rejection is done on in the input stage of the preamp, right? So the noise rejection is done through the whole balance connection from mm. um, source to sync. It could be from mm -hmm. your source to your preamp, your preamplifier, if it's balanced to the amplifier. Mm -hmm. So you'll see it more commonly in pro audio, especially if you're you know you're running microphones at a concert and you're going hundreds of feet to some control room where you're monitoring and adjusting it's it's all going to be going through balance because mm -hmm. if you're running a long single-ended cable uh you're more prone to picking up noise in the building and you're passing through lots of other power cables and wires and it's it's um it's better to have balance in, in those cases some people still even like balance even if they're going short lengths because of, of that whole noise rejection feeling that it's it's a it's a better signal right um you could also get a very clean signal, single-ended. Single um, it's mm -hmm. not using twice as many parts to make both um, the positive and negative phases of, of the of the waveform. It's only using half of it, just like a single-ended amplifier versus push-pull. Some will swear by the single-ended because it's a simpler design. Um, mm -hmm. But in terms of noise rejection, balance, you know, has the, the greatest amount that 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 um. It excels with that, but it might not excel mm. to you in terms of how it sounds. That's something you have to listen to for yourself. Mm. I mean, do a lot of your customers ask for balanced inputs and outputs? I mean, is that is that a request you get a lot or not? I would say 50% of the time. It's mm. something that people want to try. And I tell them, you know, don't just assume the balance. You're going to like it better. Mm. If you have the, the RCA cables, give those a try as well. And... Most of the time when I ask how long of a run are you, are you going? Oh, three feet, six feet, you know, just a right. couple, couple of meters at most. I said, well, then try it with RCA. Try it with balance and see what you like better because mm -hmm. not every balance stage, you know, it's going to sound better to you or single-ended for that matter. So it's really um, – and you might not even be picking up noise with, with RCA. There are shielded RCAs that, that definitely help with noise, but even when mm -hmm. they're not shielded, there are some that still prefer single-ended throughout. I've got a more sort of experiential-based question for you, right? And this is something I've noticed over the, the last three or four years, testing DACs with volume controls, right? So if I take a DAC with a volume control and feed its output direct into, into a power amp, I get this very fast, very quick silvery sound, but it's a bit thin compared to when I insert a preamp between the two and then run the DAC at essentially full volume at line level, right? Right. What's what's going on there? Is it is it that the preamp is is it adding body? I mean, this is really what I hear, but what, like what's technically going on? So when you feed a, a DAC with a volume control out, let's assume it's are we assuming it's a, an analog volume in the DAC? Well, I mean, uh, you could assume you could assume, assume it's digital, but assume that I'm running it. Um, in so let's say it's a 32-bit volume control and I'm playing a 16-bit file. So assume that I'm running it at 80%. So I'm not throwing away any bits. You know, nothing is lost in terms of data or resolution. It's just the, the sound of you know, what, what I hear compared to having a preamp, like a traditional analog preamp I'm talking about, in, in between. Yeah, it could be the circuit following that volume control just doesn't have as much drive where it's, not not as high current it doesn't mate as well with your power amplifier it... right so so current is a is a an important ingredient in the output of an amplifier right because it can then it can better drive 
the the following power amp. Is that right? Right. It's it's lower output impedance out of out of the source, higher input impedance of the amp. That would be the better match. And sometimes you'll hear of this rule of ten times or greater, where the ratio should be the the input impedance of the amp should be at least 10 times the output impedance of the preamp or, or more right. ideally 100 times then you know you're not going to get into effects of like roll off with the top end with cables or yeah. just just I mean, it's general yeah. rule of thumb it's not you know an official rule but that tends to work well so yeah it's it's current but it's also if you're running a digital volume control you just might not like the way it sounds as much Right, so it's back to how volume controls influence sound quality, and it just may be that the volume controls, well, they're digital volume controls, so I guess they're not using resistors and things like that. They're using mathematics, right? Right, it's to, all done in a digital domain, but you still yeah. might not be not like as much what it's doing, or hmm. you just, when you go through the preamp, it's adding something that you prefer. And it sounds like that, or is it, you know, you're getting more body when you when you compare them, or hmm. the, let's say in, in the, the DAC, the output stage, the analog output stage, you know, the volume controlled happened mm. already, then it's going through its analog output stage and out its way to the power amp. It's just not as good as one in a dedicated preamp that you were comparing to. You, you might prefer that that preamp in, in between. I mean, the reason I ask this in, in a general sense, you know, the promise of DAC, DAC preamps, you know, DACs with volume controls, the promise is, is tremendous. It basically says we don't need normal preamps anymore, but that's not what I'm finding at all, at all, not, not even close. I mean, you just get this, you get, it, it's a bit thicker and a bit, there's a bit more body to the sound when I've got a preamp and then like a traditional analog preamp in the stage than just going DAC direct. It's a cost but, savings too for the customer hmm. if they don't want to buy a preamp. But if you were to use a lesser quality preamp, hmm. it could be the case where going the DAC with its volume, digital volume right into your power amp, you prefer. It just sounds better than adding that preamp in the chamber if you're using a, a really high-end preamp that it, it could make a whole world of difference to you that you preferred in the path hmm. or you want to you want tubes in the path you, you hear what they're adding um to the equation and you're not getting it and you're finding that when you switch back to the all uh passive path that you feel like you're missing missing out because it does start to sound a little sterile or a little a little mm. thin and or maybe just a, a lot worse you just don't like it's it, it could go the other way where it's just you're right you know you're not enjoying it one thing i'm a big fan of as you know and i've, I've mentioned this to you this this to you privately before is that you know obviously i'm a big fan of active loudspeakers right but i and I, I can certainly sympathize with people who say, well, especially professional studio type active loudspeakers, they're too, they're too neutral, they're too clean, they're too, you know, they're just too cold, too sterile. And I find that if you, I mean, with this pair of Genelics I have upstairs, the ones that are the, uh, the middle of the range, if I pop a tube preamp, you know, in front of those, I get the exact right sound that I oh, that doesn't sound right. I get the sound that I really enjoy, you know, the tube preamp returns harmonics, whatever they are, to the picture, which for me makes it a more pleasurable experience. Right. No, that makes perfect sense because you're altering the sound going into that speaker. Mm. If you're adding more body, more weight, more depth, whatever it is that the preamp is doing, you're hoping that that neutral speaker is going to copy that and then, you know, 
um, loosen up a little bit. I mean, it, it could be yeah. just it's too rigid it, and it's really great for analyzing something, but it's not something yes. that you want to enjoy listening to for long periods Correct. of time versus just in, in a studio trying to nail down what's going on with the mix and how it's you know mm. being changed as you record. That's That's a different application. Generally now in active speakers, when there's a volume control inside the speaker, it's almost always digital. So having an analog pre feeding those speakers and using its volume control instead of that in the speaker, again, I think that the volume control circuit also adds something or, you know, improves, you know, we're back to that whole sort of DAC volume control thing, but just inside a speaker, right? Yeah, That's really speaker, all it is, right? Right. The speaker company, they're not going to a large percentage of the cost of that speaker into that volume control. I mean, they have mm. the cabinet, they have the drivers, they have the amplifiers, the crossover. It's the volume control might not be nearly as high of quality of one that's in the preamp. And the mm. circuit itself, the preamplifying circuit might just be considerably better when it's external to that speaker. But if there's a way to run that active speaker where you're bypassing its volume and just feeding the line level signal, volume control line level signal in, Mm. you might like it a whole lot more. Yeah, right. I mean, okay, so one last question. It's more of a philosophical question, really. Do you, do you feel that, that preamps are generally not underloved, but underrated in the signal path? I mean, do they tend to get overlooked or do you, is that not the case? I mean, I think those that have been doing this for many years and are experienced of playing with Many different types of preamplifiers and separates um, will say no. That the preamp is is the heart and soul of the of the electronics chain, mm -hmm. and that's where I stand. And I didn't, let's say, twenty years ago, I was the guy that was um, going after the passive approach, using a high quality stepped attenuator. Let's get rid of the preamp. It's going to be better because you know it's cleaner. It's going to minimize things. But uh, over the years. I've gotten into the, the tube buffers and then the tube voltage gain stages and, and the preamps. And now with the directly heated triodes, it's, there's no going back for me. It's just, this sounds much right. better to me. So you're using directly heated triodes in a, in a different kind of way. Is that right? I'm, I'm using them in the preamplifier to, to deliver voltage gain and current gain mm. like any other preamplifier would. I'm just the fact mm. that it's, it's, it's a, um, they're usually transmitting tubes that I'm using in the directly heated triode. So they're ones that maybe you'd find, you would commonly find in SET amplifiers, but I'm not using them to drive speakers. I'm using them to drive mm. uh, the, the, the power amplifier that follows the preamp. Oh, that's right. You're using tubes that would otherwise normally be seen or more often seen elsewhere. And you've taken them from where they would, the, you know, their usual context of power amps and put them in a pre where they're less commonly used is that right that's is that right i'm not right, going right, through right. an output transformer i'm not trying to generate a, a ton of current to drive a loudspeaker i'm not you know putting that all that load on the tube to say it's, mm. it's more like trying to get that sound of that tube with without that extra strain and hearing it i i just think that these these four pin directly heated triodes are, are the best sounding triodes i've ever used and i've tried many different types of families of, of preamplifier tubes but these sound better to me but they're really a pain to work with because in that preamplifier they're much more susceptible to, to noise and hum mm. and i had to work that out but getting back to you know your original question i i think the preamplifier for those who've used them over the years and have played with a wide variety 
I do think they get enough attention and, and respect and, and interest in, you know, that they're, people understand why they're there. And it's not mm. just for the source selection and the volume they're, they, they prefer what it's doing for their overall sound, you know, the, the sound quality of the system. Mm. But I also see a lot of people wanting to get away from to uh, the preamplifier to simplify because it's fewer parts, but that's yes. for an integrated amplifier. If you're trying to simplify, you could have a preamp and a power amp in one box. It's called an integrated mm. amplifier, right? So yeah, that yeah. combines the, the two into one box. But if it's not about box count, you just want to simplify your signal path. You mm. might find when you do so, you're, you're losing um, something in the sound that you had with, with a good preamplifier. Well, that's certainly my experience going DAC, DAC direct into power amps. Exactly, know? yeah. Which is, you know, it's kind of, but it's a little bit frustrating in some ways because you think, well, less is going to be more. It has to be, but it's actually not the case. You know, it's the the, the reality tends to stick two fingers up at the theory. So right, and that's yeah, also, uh, I, I think, when it comes to preamplifiers, the generally people will believe that if they're using a two preamplifier, it's going to have this warm, lush sound, and that's not always the case. You could make a mm -hmm. very a strident, you know, harsh sounding tube. It's, it's very easy yeah. to do either way. Right. And you can also make a, let's say a solid state, you know, let's say a class A JFET preamp. You can make that sound very warm and romantic. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's not always the case that the tubes are sounding lush and warm invite in a solid state sounding edgy. It's really, you need to listen to it in, in your system with the, the power amp that you're driving and, and in the sources. It's, it's a total... The context of the whole system is, is what I mean, you know, finding the one that works best. Right. But it's like everything in hi-fi, it's down to implementation. That's right? it. That's it. Right. Well, same with active loudspeakers you were talking about. I mean, you could you could have a, a very warm and romantic sounding active loudspeaker. It's it's mm -hmm. not unheard of to, to do to do it. It's not like they have to be these precise studio monitor monitors that are very right. dry sounding, It, but some mm -hmm. are. Well, Vinny, that's that's great. Well, we'll we'll stop there. Thank you very much. My pleasure, John.